The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for being on your, on my show today. You know that we do offer tools rather than rules that can support a person to move from an ordinary life to an extraordinary existence of, of power, of acceptance, and, and love and joy, and also undering, understanding that even in shadow times, that they are times of development and uh, integration and spiritual well-being. It's so fun today that um, I'm sure as many of you that have followed my work know how much I say that in Unity we have tools instead of rules. And of course we found the perfect author (laughs) and leading person in this way and that her book is Power Tools, The Ultimate Owner's Manual for Empowerment. How's that for Jean Adrian? Jean, welcome to our show today. How fun is that? Absolutely. You know, I love synchronicity. So thank you so much for having me on your show today, Temple. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And I like to always start by giving the audience just some background of, you know, a, a person like you. You could be uh, dedicating your life to just hobbies and crafts and, and whatever you wanted to do. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you've committed your life to being an author and a healer, a teacher, a creator of quantum change is what you call it as you step into that uh, declaring space. How did you become an intentional spirit? You know, um, one would think maybe totally unintentionally, um, but, you know, there's always a plan. And so that would um, that would be kind of an unenlightened thing for me to say. So I'm going to start back at the beginning. And I got to tell you that since I um, embarked on this journey uh, as a baby, I've been in a search for truth. It's, it, it's been an obsession almost to the point that I drove my parents crazy. Um, you know, asking questions. I've, I've always wanted to know what is the truth. And um, I was raised in a very fundamentalist Christian family. Um, it was uh, to the point that, you know, in order to not go to church on Sunday, we pretty much had to have a doctor's excuse. Um, so, you know, I, I got that upbringing. And I kept asking questions, and I never was getting answers that satisfied me. Um, And then when I got in college, uh, somebody took me to the Episcopal Church. And the first time there, I was able to ask the priest, so what is it y'all believe? And he actually was able to tell me what he believed. And, you know, that was really the first time I'd asked that question and had anybody in a position of authority actually tell me what they believe. And so I was kind of impressed with that. So immediately I became an Episcopalian. And uh, I was in the Episcopal Church until um, probably I was close to 50, Uh, even to the point of attending the University of the South and taking their four-year education for ministry program. But the whole time, you know, it was still this quest for the truth. And I always kept feeling like behind that statement or behind that book or behind that door, I know there's more. 
and what is it? Somebody show me, you know, and you know, nobody ever showed me. So life came along, and I was working in the corporate world, and something snapped. I don't really know what it was uh, that, that triggered it, but I became a very, very angry woman. Uh, and so I was actually having a healing crisis, and the healing crisis was anger management. And through that healing crisis, somebody told me that they knew of somebody that was an energy healer, that did energy work. And I said, well, what is that? And she said, well, I don't know, but he changed my life. And so I said, well, give me his phone number because I, I need help. I'm going to lose my job, and I'm a single parent with two kids in school, you know, and I can't afford to lose this job. So I need to do something about why I'm so angry. And I went to this guy, and um, he worked with me for about an hour. And when I left his office, I was back to calm, peaceful, normal, quote-unquote, Jean. And so I went back to him again when I had some other kind of crisis in my life. It wasn't anger. This time it was creation. Um, you know, I was blocked uh, creating money. I, I wasn't selling anything, and I was in commission sales. And he helped me with that. So after that one, I figured he was on something. And I asked him, I said, are you a psychic or something? And he goes, no, I was a stockbroker before I learned how to do this, but, you know, this is what I enjoy doing. And I'm like, well, it's pretty profound stuff. I want to learn how to do what you do. And he said, okay, I'm going to teach a class. And, you know, so I started studying with this guy and um, actually was doing his work. Um, and uh, from that, it evolved to creating my own work. And kind of the rest is history. Uh, I'm now completely retired from the corporate world, and I'm writing books and doing alternative healing uh, full-time, sometimes way more than 40-hour work week. But, you know, it's just because it's my passion um, to help people to find not only the truth, but to find their truth. Because I really think that's where it all starts, is, is with knowing what is your truth. And then I'm sure you see this with your um, your clients all the time, as as I do with uh, people that I do life coaching or spiritual coaching or counseling or you know whatever it, uh, or energy work and shamanism. I I I see so much that if if everybody could just step back and just really look at their story, as if you just so eloquently described your story, it's like you're. The story of our lives really does prepare us for the greater work that we're here to do, like our birth medicine is what I call it. Mm-hmm. It's like we're given this uh, this birth medicine of what we are to be and in our becoming, and we go through these situations and circumstances we may have called in, these characters, these teachers in our school, the people that weren't comfortable uh, with us asking questions. And it was very interesting when you were first uh, describing the early years of your life. Where were you uh, born and raised? Tallahassee, Florida. What in in Florida? Okay, I was yeah. born and raised uh, right outside of where you live now, about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And I too got the same thing uh, in Anderson, South Carolina. And I got okay. that same kind of thing of. Uh, people that it just uh, being an energy reader then of course i didn't know what it was i just thought i'm just weird you know I mean, uh-huh. I, Me even too. little i would go now i'm just weird <laughs> you know because i thought <laughs> is, is anybody is anybody here i mean is anybody like really like stepping back and going uh, this doesn't make sense to me. And I found the same thing you did and still do of how uncomfortable people are at asking questions, either asking them uh, because it's like, I want to know more or I want to broaden my understanding of something or uh, people that don't want to be asked questions. Um, right. What What is oh, that? Yeah. Is that... Uh, well, it's fear, you know. Um, I yeah. think that so many of us, deep down inside, we think that if we really did know the truth about who we are, that we wouldn't like it. You know, we don't understand uh, until you get to a place where you do understand it. But um, so many of us are afraid that what is inside us is something ugly or something wrong or something broken, um, you know, which is, of course, the exact opposite of the truth. 
But, you know, so many times we have gotten, um, gotten in trouble for asking questions and we've gotten in trouble for being who we are. You know, that little child that is just filled with joie de vivre, you know, and just wants to run and play and enjoy everything and every moment. Um, you know, if, if uh, the parents want peace and quiet, then they tell the kid to shut up. Yeah, to be quiet, you know, and which is just stomping on that child's little spirit, you know. And so it just happens. It happens um, inadvertently sometimes, sometimes on purpose, um, that we learn early on that maybe it's not okay. It's not okay to be who I am. It's not okay to ask those questions because if I do, somebody's going to get upset, you know. So we back off. It reminds me of that scene I just saw. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Defending Your Life. Have you seen that with Rip Torn and Albert no. Brooks and Meryl Streep? Oh, you got to see it. Oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, uh, yes, I have seen that. I didn't okay. remember the title. Right, yeah. Defending Your Life. It's about you know the guy that dies early because he has an accident in his BMW and right. he goes to the other side. And on the other side is, is almost like an attorney, but, but a person that watches the scenes of your life and you know sees how you did to see where you go the next phase, you know. And so Rip Torn asks uh, Albert Brooks, you know, he says, "Well, uh, do most of the people there where you lived on Earth with your three percent brain?" He said, "They all have stomach aches, don't they?" And and the guy Albert says, "Yes. How'd you know that?" And he said, "Well, it's fear. <laughs> you know, yeah. so many people are are living on uh, fear. Is that why we're so susceptible to?" Uh, just being told what to do? Is it because we're just so kind of locked in that we're not uh, in our full capacity thinking for ourselves? Or I know we're talking kind of overgeneralizing things, but I just find it yeah. always fascinating to ponder. And I remember asking my grandmother, you know, these questions of, well, why do you believe? Why are we Baptists? You know, and, and it would mm-hmm. be, well, honey, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't talk about that. I'm like, we don't talk about that. I mean, how did you even figure out that's what you wanted to do? You know, what are the things do we we know about? But you would immediately just get that shut down feeling, you know. Yeah, you know, some of the stories, though, were actually funny because, like, how we ended up being Methodists in my family was because um, my father's father got kicked out of the Baptist church for dancing. So the only other church in the little town where he lived was the Methodist church. So, you know, that's where they went, you know. So there was no, um, there was no theological reason behind it. You know, it just was, well, we can't go back to the Baptist church because I want to dance. Like, good for him. <laughs> oh, good grief. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so the reasons when you go back and look underneath the carpet, the reasons are always so interesting. And, uh, you know, and I think that so much of it really, though, has to do with learned behavior um, that, you know, over time and maybe even we, um, we're, we choose to be born into particular families that have this string of learned behavior because that's what our soul wants to experience so that it can master some kind of a life lesson. Mm-hmm. So many times I look at those life lessons and I go, okay, what was I thinking? You know, well, I made this plan on the other side. I had a faith healer here not too long ago from Aspen, and he said um, the lesson, and you'll like this too because I know and have known already from talking to you that we uh, kind of think and uh, and express similar, you know, in similar ways. But he said the lesson that you have is so you'll have, using the word, less on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll wind up being a moron. <laughs> I love it. I love Isn't it. Isn't that good? He said, you don't oh, want to yeah. be a moron. You want to be to have less on. <laughs> so be in the lesson, you know, and enjoy, well, the, and enjoy the journey of that. Of course, you know, and, and it's almost kind of like you were talking about early on. I call, a lot of times I call those lessons blessings because there's always a blessing in it. 
mm-hmm. may not feel it, you know, like quite when you're right in the middle of the time or the trouble or the struggle or whatever it is. But, you know, it's all part of getting you to the next place that you're supposed to be to experience a little bit more of your own divinity. That's what I think. And, you know, I think I I just, I was sharing with some clients in the office today um, that, you know, it never stops because it is a process. And, um, and I always like have to laugh at myself because I forget from time to time the lessons that I've learned and I have to be re-reminded of them. And, you know, I've been preaching and teaching and studying and for lo these 65 years, um, you know, the the universal laws and the truths and all that. Once I finally got on my spiritual path and realized that there was more behind that door and behind those teachings. Um, and I know, I know in my heart of hearts that there's nothing that I can't create for myself. I know that there's nothing physically with my body that I can't heal if that is my choice and if that's my intent, you know, and spirit supports me in that. But I turned 65 and lo and behold, they presented me with Medicare. And I thought, well, oh my, I have medical insurance. I haven't had medical insurance for years and I haven't been sick and I haven't needed it. And now here I have it. And so what did I do? I had to manifest an illness Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I could go back to that place where I would remember that I don't need medical insurance because I am the creator of my reality. And I can look at the underlying thought behind any dysfunction or disease in my body and I can change it. it, But it took me two or three months of dealing with uh, a, a silly little thyroid issue that was rolling up into a blood pressure issue because I didn't want to look at it. So, you know, when you don't, look at the lesson and don't look at the message, it has to get a little bit more intense so that it gets your attention. Our body is so day. brilliant. Isn't it? It it's is. Just so, it's just so brilliant. I want to remind everybody that um, I'm speaking with Jean Adrian today, who is an author healer. She's a teacher. She's the creator of Quantum Change. She has a blog. Uh, she does one-on-one readings and coaching and clearing sessions with people all over the world. So be sure and visit her website, Jean Adrian. That's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. Com and read much more about her. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, because that's the part of what it's about. Rather than trying to set life right, when we're able to see it right and see where we are, and as Jean said earlier, take responsibility and listen to it when it's just a small whisper, so it doesn't have to become a large shout in our ears. We're happy to be able to feature this program both myself and Unity Campus right here in the heart of St. Petersburg, Florida. If you like these kind of messages and these tools, uh, you're welcome to listen to us online or watch our podcast at a later date at unitycampus.org. We'll be right back after this um, this break, and we're going to delve into some more specific information about Jean and hear more about our new book, Power Tools, the ultimate owner's manual for empowerment. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you for supporting Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. 
You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Jean Adrian, author, healer, teacher, creator of Quantum Change. And I, again, emphasize her website is jeanadrian.com. Uh, Jean, tell us, uh, give us kind of some insight about the, you do a broad range of, of healing and coaching. Uh, fill us in on, on your various programs. Well, um, the main thing that I do is based on a healing modality that I developed, actually channeled this um, in 2002, and I've been doing it ever since, and it's a kinesiology-based tool called InnerSpeak. It's a protocol of 144 files of information, and each file of information has 36 pieces of information in it, and I use muscle testing to allow a person's higher self to say, okay, so Temple needs to know this piece of information on this page and that one on that page and this one on the other page until it weaves a healing story about where you created blocks in your life that are holding you back from being the conscious creator that you desire to be, that you, that you are by birthright, um, so that you can manifest everything you want in your life. And um, over time, I've been guided to make this more accessible and simpler um, so that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that will not read a book or they won't take a, a workshop or they won't come to a facilitator for a healing session, but they'll play with a deck of cards. So I was guided to create the Inner Speak Cards, which is a, a card deck. Uh, not like a tarot deck, but it's more, of, it's more of a healing modality. And there are seven different colors of cards, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet ones. Go figure, the colors of the chakras. And each one, for example, the red ones are the source of where you created the block for yourself. The orange cards are the setup, what happened to you. The yellow ones are the soul reaction, what it did to your soul. The blue ones are the stuck belief that you internalize that needs to be cleared away. The green ones are clearing cards. Um, the indigo cards are only used if it's a past life that is the source, and that tells you where the lifetime took place, their location. And then the violet cards are blessings from the angels that you get from doing the work required to clear away the things that are holding you back. And so many years ago, a delightful Russian computer programmer um, 
gave me the gift of automating these cards into an online, what you call a game. And so that's my gift for your listeners. If they go on my website at geneadrian.com and sign up for the newsletter, they get a link to the online Interspeak cards that's irrevocable. If they decide that my newsletter doesn't suit them, they can cancel out of that at any time, but it never stops their ability to continue to use these Interspeak cards. And they have helped thousands upon thousands of people all over the world to let go of stuff that they're holding on to, old programming, limiting beliefs that aren't serving them anymore. So that's my gift to your listeners. Oh, thank you so much. And um, thank you for the work that, that you're doing. I know that you work uh, quite a bit with one-on-one, and I, I read some of the testimonies online with people that had uh, chronic illnesses and then mm-hmm. were able to transform their lives um, um, I love to hear the sacred stories about people either healing or revealing something within them that's been lying dormant. Could you give us a couple of examples, obviously without naming names or cities or anything, but just a couple of stories about uh, some of the ahas or the huge epiphanies that you've had happen with another person in your work? Well, I think maybe the the most profound one um, in the last, five or six years, was um, I had a client that I had worked with um, a couple of times. She's actually a medical doctor, a pediatrician. And uh, through a workshop that I hosted in Atlanta, she met her husband, and um, I actually performed their, their marriage ceremony uh, you know, for them. And then that was like in, I think, October of that year. And between Christmas and New Year, I got a call from her husband, and he was frantic. And he said, Jean, my wife, um, something, something horrible has happened. We think she's had a stroke. We don't know. She's in intensive care at Northside Hospital, and she really wants to see you. Can you come? Would you come? And I was like, of course. So I immediately got in my car and drove down to Northside Hospital. And, of course, I took my Interspeak book with me um, and started working with her. And basically what had happened was the stroke was caused by an inoperable malignant tumor on her pituitary gland. And um, so they really didn't know what they were going to do. So she said, can we, can we do some Interspeak? Can we try to get a handle on this? And... So we did, and what came up in the session, um, the facilitation that, um, that came up for her to do was to go inside the tumor in her head, to close her eyes and in her imagination go inside that tumor and find the being that was there and ask it, what do you need from me in order to be able to leave? It was just that simple. So she closed her uh. eyes and she did that, and she said, oh my gosh, it's an angel, and she told me the name of the angel because the angel actually um, gave her a name for who it was. And um, she said, when I ask it, what do I need to do um, in order for you to go away? Um, The angel told her that she needed to get on her path, which involved stopping doing the work that she was doing and start doing what she knew she was supposed to do. And so I asked her, well, what is that? And she said, well, you know, I hate my job. I mean, I love working with the children, but, you know, um, with um, health insurance and malpractice and torts and all of this stuff, we've become so limited that we can't work with the children, you know, in the way that we, we know in our heart would be the right thing to do. We have to stay within the guidelines of what insurance will allow us to do. And she said, you know, if money was no object, I would be working with indigent children and helping them to heal, um, you know, of any level of disease. And I said, okay, so I think you know what you're supposed to do. And so when she got out of the hospital, she did quit her job. And um, she and her husband relocated actually down uh, into the St. Pete area. And she got a job working with... um, Indigenous children, basically a government-subsidized program working with children on Medicaid. Uh, And she did that for a while, and then she relocated out of St. Petersburg, um, and she has now opened a practice in the city where she is um, where that's all she does. She doesn't accept anyone who's not on Medicaid in her practice, and she was told she was crazy to do that. She would never be able to make enough money to pay her bills, and her practice is thriving. Um, and to the point now that she's looking to expanding it. But the beauty of the 
of the story of that is that she has MRIs and PET scans from before she did this work, and three weeks later they did another PET scan, and there was no tumor. It's gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once she got on her path and started doing what she was supposed to do, her body healed itself. So that's probably the most profound one. (laughs) (laughs) It's so miraculous, isn't it? It It is. But, you know, there's nothing, there is nothing that we can't heal. I truly believe, and I think you do as well, that the body will always heal itself if that's the choice of the soul. And once we get in alignment with our soul and the soul's choice, then all we have to do is allow it, is get out of the way and allow it to happen. Now, sometimes that has to involve finding um, the limiting beliefs, uh, you know, and letting them go. And uh, I have a theory about healing, um, and and my theory is kind of a four-pronged thing. The first one is that a person has to ask for it. The second is they have to participate in it. And the third is that they will only be healed at the level of their belief or the level of their consciousness. So, you know, she believed that she could heal herself completely, and voila, she did. Somebody might think, well, I might be able to heal myself just a little bit, you know, and that's what they'll get because I believe that God's answer to every question is always yes. And up to this point in my life, I've never had anything that would prove to me that that was not the case, because I truly believe that it's so. And then the final piece of, of healing is that it's gratitude that actually owns it. You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus healed lepers, and all the lepers went away, but one of them came back and thanked him. Now, it doesn't say this anywhere in the Bible, but I, you know, reading between the lines, my guess is that the lepers who didn't come back probably had a relapse. Yeah. But the one who mm-hmm. did come back owned his healing and owned his divinity and, you know, walked in that uh, for the rest of his days. Yeah, I agree with you totally. I mean, to me, God always says yes because God is uh, an energy, a principle, an essence, a being. Mm-hmm. And I, if God, if this is an orderly universe, then God couldn't sometimes at random say yes and sometimes at random say no. It wouldn't be right. possible. You know, how could that even be uh, sane, you know, um, for sure. The thing I'm sure you see in your work that I've also seen in mine is that people will make uh, these new founded, I've seen this in soul retrieval also, when people have lost uh, energy or it's become fragmented in their lives and they've made some kind of vow, you know, to the universe or to their creator or to God that says, okay, you know, as I'm healed with this, then I'll go on my path. You know, as I'm healed for this, I'll stay sober. As I'm healed for this, you know, then I'll move forward and I'll open up that new chapter of my life. And they don't. They they go backwards. You know, they go back to something else. And you see those reoccurrences happen a lot. Uh, because the changes that need to occur don't go with the new identity program, you know the uh, the, wit- mm-hmm. the new witness uh, program. <laughs> they don't make well, the changes. Exactly. They don't relocate everything else uh, with them. Um, they just go back to that same old way of being and expect the results to be different. Exactly, you know, and that's that definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over again and expecting a different outcome, Absolutely. and it doesn't work. It's you know, absolutely it, the truth. Well, what about, is your book out now, Power Tools, um, to the public? It is. is it, it came out um, at the end of January, and so it's been out now for quite a few months. It's doing really well, and uh, it's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble, and if somebody wants a signed copy, they can actually get it out of my web store, and I'll send them a signed copy. Um, so, it, yeah, it's there. Tell us a little bit about, it, Jean. I mean, you know, uh, sure. the title kind of says a lot about empowerment, but where would the reader anticipate to go and experience in the book? Well, you know, when I wrote this book, I wanted to write a book that would differentiate itself from the thousand and one other books on personal empowerment that are out there in the marketplace today. Right. So I decided to base it on everyday tools 
um, you know, things that we're all familiar with, uh, power tools like the jackhammer and the sawzall, um, the, the uh, copy machine, things like that, where, that we're all familiar with them because we've seen them, but uh, I'm using them as a metaphor for doing the work in our life. And so, for an example, the first tool, the first power tool, is the jackhammer. And all of us know how how powerful, but how raucous and noisy the jackhammer is. You know, because you see construction workers working on the side of the road busting up cement with that. I mean, there's nothing that can re- withstand the force of the jackhammer. It will tear something very thick and solid and almost something that would seem to be impermeable down to dust in fairly short order. And that's what we have to do with all of our limiting beliefs, with everything that's standing between us and knowing who we are and realizing that we are so powerful that there's nothing that we can't create in our life if we choose to do it. So... With the jackhammer, you know, what I offered up to people is an exercise that I did for myself about finding those limiting beliefs so that I could bust them up, so that I could sweep them away with the next tool, the the vacuum cleaner. Um, And what I did, Tempest, was I took a a yellow legal pad. One day I was trying to figure out, who am I? You know, I've changed so rapidly over the last 5 to 10, 15 years that I really don't know who I am anymore. So I took this legal pad and I started writing one afternoon. And um, I wrote on each line I would put a different belief, something that I held to be true. And i got to tell you that at the end of this exercise, and it took me several days to do it, I had filled a legal pad with beliefs, truths that I thought were were mine. And so then what I did was I went back through the legal pad a second pass, went down the left-hand margin of it, and by each belief, I wrote where I thought I got that. Where, who told me this? Where did I pick this up? Where did I infer this? Um, you know, what happened? And, you know, I could pretty much, probably 70% of them, I really could attribute it to some situation or some person. Um, most of them were, you know, started off with my parents, but then school teachers and then preachers and then things I saw on TV um, that I believed these things to be true because they were spoken to me by a person in authority. And then my third pass through my legal pad was to take a magic marker and line out all the ones that today, knowing what I know today, that this either serves me or it doesn't serve me anymore. And when I did that exercise, I got it down to like 12 that were actually still accurate as part of my process and part of my truth. But I got to tell you, it is a process. Um, you know, so I was able to then um, put definition around who is Jean Adrian at that point. Now, if I did the exercise again today, it might be a little bit different. You know, I haven't, I haven't done it since just before I wrote the book. But um, I think I probably need to because it is always an ever-expanding process. You know, we as humans, we try to define everything. I mean, that's just part of our nature, isn't it? To, you know, if we see something, we want to define it. And, I mean, we do this with God. You know, we, we try to define what is God, and more often than not, we try to define God by what God isn't. But that still, it's putting putting God in a box. And every time I do that, what I find is that with very short order, as soon as I think I know who God is, I realize that God's greater than that. And so my my scope of reference has to expand out now to include God yet one more time. And then as soon as I do that, wow, then I realize God's greater than that. And so I I can't try to hem God in that way either. And it's the same thing with me. As soon as I think I know who I am, I realize I'm so much more than that. And so uh, that's what the jackhammer does, though. Is it, it, it's a tool to enable us to bust through all the beliefs that are really illusion and that keep us from expanding out into that greater whole that can be us, you know, you know that keep us from stepping into the field of pure potential. 
I love that. Well, I'm looking forward to um, hearing more about what you say about your life and your work. Reminding everyone, it's um, geneadrian.com. We'll be right back after this short break. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. So welcome back, everyone. And in our uh, first segment, we were talking with uh, Jean Adrian about people healing and ways in which people can heal. And Jean was saying that she's kind of narrowed it down in her work of many years as a life coach and an author and a healer, that there's four elements about healing. Uh, Jean, for myself as well as for those listening, I'd love you to walk through all four of those steps, please, and elaborate uh, because they're really good and they're easy to remember. And not only that, they're profoundly true. All right. Well, you know, so the first one that I believe that's important in order for healing or change to take place in life is that you have to ask for it. And um, how many times, I I know that this has been part of my life, but to kind of make people understand what that means is how many times have we looked at somebody and been able to see a, a greater potential for that person than what that person is living in their life today, and we thought, well, you know what, if I just helped them, or if I just fixed them, or whatever, then they would be able to achieve so much more. Well, you know what that does, number one, is it it puts me in a place of judgment. If I look at you and I, I think that there is something about you that needs to be changed, then I'm judging you, and I'm judging you as broken, and that's a violation of one of the universal laws of non-judgment. So in order for someone to achieve change in their life or to heal, they have to ask for it. They've got to want it. 
Because I don't know about you, but there have been way too many people that I stuck my nose in their business over time. I don't do it anymore, um, but, uh, you know, that I did stick my nose in their business and told them what, was, what would be the best thing for them, and they couldn't hear me because they weren't ready to hear me. Even though I might have been right, didn't matter. So you have to wait until somebody asks. And hand-in-hand with that is the second tenet of healing is that the person who wants the healing has to participate in it. They've got to do the work. You know, how many people are so willing to give their power up to someone else to quote-unquote fix them or heal them? You know, but if you don't do the work, then you don't reap the, reap the reward of it. And in the past, consciousness was such that we have been able to help people who didn't participate in it. You know, I mean, other than asking for the helping, I mean, there, there's, there are countless stories in the Bible where Jesus healed the lame or the blind or the sick, um, and they didn't appear to be participating in it. But as time has gone on and our consciousness has raised higher and higher, we've reached a place now where that doesn't really work anymore. And now we're called upon to be accountable and responsible for our reality. So if I really want to heal, then I better put my skin in the game too rather than just coming to, come and run into you and going, Reverend Temple, you know, fix me please. Um, and I'm going to just go back and, you know, rest on my laurels while you do the work. Uh-uh, that doesn't work anymore. So that's step two. Step three is that the healing will occur at the person's level of consciousness or at their level of belief, and no more or no less than that. So a person who believes that they can heal, well, these are the people who go to the faith healer and they have hands laid on them, and they walk away, you know, completely healed. Quite frankly, they probably could have asked and done that for themselves as well. But, you know, it's, it's your level of consciousness. And if you doubt, then the doubt will interject fear into the mix, and you will end up not getting the full complement of what you might have achieved. At your, if your level of belief had been higher. And then the final um, aspect of healing is always gratitude. It always has to be gratitude. It's funny, as I, when I work with clients one-on-one, at the end of the session I say to them, and it's gratitude that owns your healing. So just take a moment and give thanks. Give thanks to Mother, Father, God, and your angels and your teachers and your guides, and give thanks to yourself. You know, And that's, that's how I close every session so that... We don't make a mistake and walk out and not be grateful, you know, because that really is the cement that holds all of that reality together. So that's, that, that's my, my cosmology on the four things that are required for healing. That's excellent. Let me um, ask you this. Um, we talk about often, and regardless of what teachers someone may follow, but as Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel when when people come to you and go, you know, I'm not really sure how I believe. And one of the things I've said for years, if you're not sure how you believe, look at your life. You know, the kind of friendships you have, that's what you believe about relationship or on a deeper level the with in you of deservingness or worthiness or assertiveness or your values or whatever that is. Your life does give you clues about what you believe. But when we talk about, you know, someone wanting to be healed, let's say they have, um, you know, stage four cancer and they're, mm-hmm. you know, working with that element and, and wanting to believe that they can be healed. Um, when we look at the, uh, can beliefs also be uh, unconscious beliefs? Absolutely it can. And a little while ago I said something about that I believe the body can heal anything if that is the choice of the soul. So the soul is the orchestrator of the plan 
for the physical body. You know, it's our soul that actually created the, these bodies for us um, when we chose to incarnate. And so sometimes at an unconscious level, but at certainly at a soul level, the soul may know that our work on this earth plane is done and that a, a particular disease might be the choice that the soul is using to create an exit point or a segue into transition. You know, so we don't really ever know and, and we won't know until we go to the other side of the veil exactly what is true for each individual case. And it really, it, you know, it's not for us to know anyway. Um, but, so sometimes, for example, a person who is in stage four cancer, you know, if it is the choice of the soul to stay here, but because the person's unconscious beliefs have manifested disease in the body, and if that person will release their those beliefs and release those judgments and release those wounds, then absolutely the body can heal and, in fact, can even return to a state of health that was greater than what the person was experiencing when they first realized that they were ill. But, you know, the other side of that is if the soul's choice is that it's actually time for me to go home, then... You know, the, the, the desire at the conscious level might be there. I want to heal. I want to stay, you know. But the soul's going, no, you're done. You've, you've completed what you came here to do. And, and it's time for you to come home, my dear, you know. So that's the other piece of it. And so that's why it's so imperative for us to always stay in surrender to spirit when we're doing healing work because, you know, it really has to be that old axiom of thy will and not my will of God, you know, because at a conscious level, our lower self doesn't necessarily know what is the plan and what is for the highest good, but always the higher self does. And, you know, and that that will always happen, um, you know, regardless, won't it? Absolutely. And I love the way you've um, put a frame around that. And I, I like that, that whole aspect of, of the soul's journey, the continuation of life, the eternal life of many, many lifetimes. And this is one part. This is one journey, uh, that we're consciously aware that we're having right now. And, uh, how to honor that. And that is that, that great, um, Mm, space isn't it somewhere between the no longer and the not yet or somewhere Uh between being a participant but yet letting go and and I think what sometimes people forget is sometimes participating is letting go letting go doesn't mean being a doormat it doesn't mean I just stand there like a totem it it also it can it can mean different phases of letting go in prayer, letting go in beingness, um, those kind of elements. Those are power tools, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, and, and while we're talking about healing, I mean, one of the greatest power tools that we have within unity is silent unity, you know, where we can take the request of the individual um, because they ask for it and lift it up um, for the highest good, you know, and we do that, you know, every day, right? Yes, every every day. And um, you know that we have had at Unity School total uh, renovation of the tower at Unity Village, right, and to a new up-and-coming amazing uh, holistic center. Did you know that? Yay. I did not. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome, you know, because that really is, I think, that that we really have turned the corner um, in accountability and responsibility and consciousness, and I think that now it's, it's really becoming so much more mainstream that people are beginning to realize that I do want to take responsibility for this body that I borrowed, you know, and let it be. Um, let it be healthy and let it operate in glory so I can do what I came here to do, which is exhibit that beautiful and pure essence of God that is just uniquely to me. And um, so it's so important. And thank goodness y'all are doing that. Uh, Well, 
you're a, um, a part of that as well. We're collectively uh, giving what we can to an awakening world, and it's an exciting time for all of us. Jean, I want to thank you again for being on our show today and urge our listeners to go on to jeanadrian.com and find out more about what she's about. She's offering the free cards as well as you have her blog you can sign up for. And again, to visit us at unitycampus.org or on my website, templehaze.com. Jean, thank you again for being on our show, and God bless you on this journey. I just see you continuing to bless so many, and we know the best is yet to come. Absolutely. My honor and my pleasure. Thank you for the work you're doing as well. Bless you. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Celebrated Unity Minister and author Eric Butterworth tells us, The exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization, no matter what the problems or challenges you may face, there is always more in you, the mystery of God in you, the Christ in you, which means your potential for healing, for overcoming, for prosperity. There is no limit. Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Rev. Tom Thorpe. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? 
or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women. The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Rev. Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.